0: Norse Wolf Rising by C.J. Hall Letter to the Reader Scene 1 Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me on Rosie's journey. Rosie is close to my heart. I created Rosie on Facebook eight years ago as an escape from the role-play world I was a part of. The need to develop my world without the restraints of someone else's creation was a drawing need for me. While I had created Katori, another book series, I was also writing and developing Rosie. Using parts of my mother, grandmother, and myself to develop the character, a love of wolves and nature has always been part me, being a pagan raised in a Protestant family was hard, coming out of the closet for me was not about my sexuality but my preferred religion, then discovering my genealogy is not only Irish Celtic but Norse was extremely fitting for me. Along with Rosie, I created other characters who will be joining in the fun too, You will be able to read their books within the series when my friends, who have been playing these characters on Facebook, get the chance to begin the books. Quinn and Alma were fun to create as well as their backstory. We have spent several years writing together developing the characters. You will slowly be introduced to all the characters I have created over the years. These stories have been building within my creative mind for years. Finally, I have a great team of writers and friends to join me on this journey. I hope you fall in love with the characters as much as we have, you will find yourself on an emotional roller coaster, maybe even throw the book down with anger or shock but I promise you will want to know more. I must warn you I have a love for mythology, especially Norse mythology. In the real world I do practice Wicca, not witchcraft, this I am sharing with you so you do not think I am being disrespectful to these worlds, in the world of Rosie. I have mixed Norse mythology with my world so please do not think that some of the relationships are true Norse pairings. Love you all. CJ. Prologue. Scene 1. Rosie Louise Chelsea Black, get your cute backside and up into the bathroom now. Ah oh, Nanny is angry but I don't care, that is a lie because inside I am freaking out that there is no way I am revealing my location, my brothers will win and that is not happening. Nope not today of all days. Burying myself deep within the leaves I have been planning this for far too long I swear today will be ruined if I allow Nanny to give away my location. Today is my thirteenth birthday, Nanny is making such a big deal out of today that it has been freaking me out, she is constantly mentioning how I am coming of age, something about joining the fold, the community, the sisterhood, and finally the one that hurts. Your thirteenth birthday means you will be too busy to play childish games with your brother's little lady. That look on her face while warning me scared the crap out of me. For some reason my family wants to keep me as some sweet and innocent English rose for the world to be proud of, all I want to do is run, chase the boys, climb trees and feel the nature on my skin and under my toes. So, as a way to help with my anger at the change to take place from today, I began to dig body size holes within the forest surrounding our property. We have two homes, one in the heart of Chelsea, London, and this one deep within the Carpathian Mountains, Romania. Mum and Dad are away, so Nanny wanted me to celebrate this birthday here where I am the happiest. With the holes dug, I placed markers so I could remember where to hide. My brothers are working together like the pack of huskies we live with. Trying to hunt me down to feast upon, fine it is the game hide and seek, but we put a little horror into it. So this time, when they think they are close to one of my traps, I climb the tree closest to me and carefully swing to another tree near a new hole to hide within. No nanny is not going to mess this win for me. I swear to the gods, Rosemary Louise Chelsea Black, if you do not get your backside up into the bathroom now, I will cancel your party. We will return to London where you will never see the light of day again. Fiddlesticks she used my full name for a third time, there is a tingle running through my body pushing me to do her bidding, it always happens if her warnings are not heeded. But then just as I decide give in to her demands I hear the boys saying I have won this game. Falling for the trap I jump out and run towards my nanny with the boys running after me. Matthew and Jackson have been playing that trick on me for too long, however, if I make it into the kitchen before them I win. Nanny is standing there with her hands on her hips, her witch's outfit spick and span, and a glare on her face that scares me to death. Running past her I slap my hand on the kitchen table, Nanuke howls, which is the sign that the winner has arrived. Jumping up and down on the spot I squeal with excitement at my win, poke my tongue out at my brother's then run to the bathroom to take the bath Nanny is forcing upon me. Hours later, after the tongue lashing from Nanny, she hugs and kisses me, telling me how proud she is of me. Matthew has gone back to school, he isn't really my brother. Mum and dad are not his real parents, they just took him in when his parents died, so now he is kind of my brother, but Jackson's best friend. Jackson is my older brother, he is five years older than me, but we are as close as twins. We both attend boarding schools in London, but my nanny insisted we remain living with her, so instead of sleeping in a cold dorm, we are known as day kids which has got to be better than sleeping in dorms with all those stuffy-nosed kids. Nanny pulled us to one side mentioning she needs to have a family conversation with us, but first, we need to march up to our rooms and change into more comfortable clothing, code for our PJs. We are just at the top of the staircase when we hear Nanny talking with a man at the front door. Richard. The confusion in her voice alarms us. Nanny is never confused, she knows everything. Honestly Jackson and I always joked Nanny could see the future. Rosemary, sorry to intrude on this important day, may I come in? The formal tone in his voice sends a shiver through my body. Jackson must feel the shift in the air because he freezes in place, wraps his arms around me as if to protect me. It's happened hasn't it? Something serious has happened, this Richard sounds upset but official, Nanny sounds concerned but as if she has been waiting for this visit. Have you seen those films or TV shows where the police officer comes to the door with a sad look on their faces and you know they are about to tell that person their loved one is dead? That is the tension and the tone in the voices that we are overhearing. Jackson and I quietly walk down the stairs and sit on the second to bottom step overhearing the conversation. They were in New Orleans. What the hell were they doing there Richard? you know that is the one place they shouldn't be. Her voice is raised not with concern but anger and betrayal. The hunters agreed they were the only choice to head the HQ, they were setting the groundwork for you all to move into either the Garden District or the French Quarter. I would never move to that cesspool and they know it. The hatred is rippling across my skin, Jackson and I have noticed when she is angry, the huskies form a circle around her, and we get an electric shock like feeling running across our skin. Matthew said he senses Nanny is a witch, but we laughed it off because he only says that when she is acting scary, unlike her usual sweet loving self. They knew, which is why they were trying to make amends with the community, to ensure you could live alongside each other. Are you going to let me finish? The gasps from Jackson and I gave away, we heard the conversation. Nanny is standing before us with fire in her eyes pointing upstairs, we run like bats out of hell and lock ourselves in the attic. What just happened Jackie? Unshed tears sitting in my eyes, Jackson is rubbing the back of his neck shaking his head while avoiding looking at me. I have no idea Rosebud, but I don't like it by the look on his face I can tell he is trying to work out a puzzle then try to explain it But this doesn't feel like something he can find the answer to. Nanny never allows unannounced visitors into our Romanian home, it is our sanctuary, the only place on earth Nanny and the rest of the elders in our family feel safe. Not sure how long has passed, but the front door is slammed, Nanny is shouting curses in Romanian then Russian, the huskies are howling a painful cry I have never heard before, but the pain in the cry is screaming out to Jackson and me. We sit huddled together, crying and feeling the pain surrounding the house. Children, come downstairs please. We do as we are asked to find Nanny dressed in a plain white dress, her hair is unrestrained, allowing it to fall to the floor with the tips of her hair kissing the feet of Nanyuk. Standing on the threshold to the living room, the vision before Jackson and I is not only shocking and beautiful but we have noticed something about the animals surrounding her Nanyuk, Draken, Nuka, Noyeli, and Angini. Chapter 1 Scene 1. Patrolling has always excited me, the adrenaline of the hunt as well as the hunt itself. Going on a hunt reminds me of my younger days, playing hunting games with Jackson and Matthew. The scum I am stalking used to make the patrol a challenge, now however I feel like he is just toying with me. I have been hunting him for the past five years, almost feels like we are having a warped sense of courting. He has started to leave his latest prey, teenage girls, sitting on the pavement as if they were drunk with a bottle in their hands, legs spread open, and panties around their ankles showing the tourists and the locals she is a good-time kind of girl. Every week on the same day he does this, he has become sloppy though, now he is leaving his scent on her body, which is a true indicator that he is not only a desperate male but a shifter at that. Wolf! My favourite kind to hunt! While it angers me, he has now begun targeting teenagers every Thursday. My mind wonders over his other victims. Wednesday, he targets women who are either witches or Wiccans. Yes, there is a difference. We have discovered on Fridays he attacks any female with either a French or Creole name. It then came to light that the women either have French blood or are descendants from the original families. What is annoying me though is that as it stands right now, the only pattern apart from the days of the weeks is that he has sex with them but for some reason, he is leaving his scent on the teenagers but not on the other women. It is only because I began to stalk the sick asshole who is killing these women that I was able to identify these teenage kills are linked to the other kills. Leaning against the wall opposite the bar the wolf is hanging out in, I can hear every word being said within the walls of the building, smell the sexual tension riding the scent of liquor and stale beer. It has always amazed Jackson and myself how my senses seem to be highly sensitive even from this distance, my eyesight is sharper than the average human. My grandmother used to say, Rosie you have the gifts of the gods, the stealth and movement of a wolf but the cunningness of your father. Your mother thankfully passed on her patience and insight. Still to this day I have no idea what she was talking about. My parents were hardly around and when they were... Mum was the least patient human being I ever had the pleasure of knowing, she had a temper that could rival a spoilt brat. Grandmother used to say the Irish blood flowing in her veins was her saving grace, Daddy's family only accepted her because she was as fierce as any shield maiden. I promise you my grandmother was not a nutcase, she just happened to live in her world. Daddy, I never called him anything but Daddy, was as soft as a cuddly teddy bear, he never raised his voice, Never looked at me as if I was a disappointment but mostly he had the patience of a saint. Jackson and I questioned everything we would read, saw, and learned. Daddy simply answered the best he could, but told us when we grew up and Rosie became of age, all the answers in the world would finally make sense. I am all grown-up Daddy. I still don't know the answers of the world and nothing is making sense whispering into the air with my head resting against the brick wall of the creole building. Keeping to the shadows, the hair on the back of my neck raises, my nostrils flare and my fingers turn into my palms. Hearing the deep laughter of the wolf I am tracking, hear hear little wolf. You want to play with someone your age instead of the little girls? No sooner have the whispered words enter the night sky, the dark stranger looks up in my direction with a smirk on his face, acknowledging he has accepted my challenge. Time to play fleabag, with those words let loose into the night sky he pushes the little lady into the wall and runs into the darkness with my body following after him. Before I get too far my wristwatch vibrates against the flesh of my wrist indicating I have a message, go for Rosie, the sound of my brother chuckling in my ear notifies me the Bluetooth chip we implanted into each hunter is activated. Go for Rosie? We still playing kid games, sis. Busy here, Jackie boy, what do you need? The laughter in my tone isn't wasted on him. Waiting for his tone to become serious, I notice my surroundings are becoming more and more darkened. My surroundings have changed from the wealth of the quarter to that of the worn down district. Buildings crumbling, the unemployed sitting on the pavements drinking their booze with the prostitutes begging for work. My nasal passage is bombarded with the stench of death and drugs. My eyes focus on every little detail searching for the anomaly which indicates he is hiding in the shadows. I hear your breathing sis, you're out for a jog again? Tutting at me he makes the odd joke about my lack of stamina because I am heavy breathing. He knows I know he is messing around with me and that the heavy breathing is a sham, the breathing is a part of my game when I am out hunting. The supernatural do not like humans policing them, so when I am chasing them, I allow them to know I am close by with my heavy breathing and heavy footfall. Little do they know, I can also hear them with the subtle noises they make thinking humans can't hear them. Always a pleasure discussing my bodily action, but is there a point to this call or did you miss our daily chat today? My eyes appealed peeled in the darkness ahead of me, not allowing my brother to distract from the reason I am in this cesspool. A flash of white grabs my attention, bingo bastard! From the height of the whiteness, I would have to say the bastard is smiling due to the bantering between my brother and me. Yep, Antonia Flores called, she wants you to pop in for a cup of tea and slice of cake. There's an update on the women from last week the teasing about our heritage isn't lost on me. A smile would usually crack across my face, but I am focusing on the hunt so no smile today. Got it, out. With that said the chip is disconnected and my watch is back to being an ordinary watch again. Slowly walking through the darkness of the streets I can hear his whispering, licking of his lips, and pounding of his heart, he is having as much fun as I am. The smell of the female he was just playing with overwhelms my senses, my eyes begin to water with the powerful odor. You can smell her death little human? The satisfaction in his tone does not affect me the snarling of anger proves to me he is angry with the lack of my anger. Yet you hide in the shadows, are you afraid I will put you down pussy cat, the warning growl is music to my ears. Closing in on him my body pulls to a stop when I sense just how close I am to him. Keeping him engaged until I have the information I need, my body rests against the corner of the building. Wanting him to see me with my right hand resting on my hip, My left arm is between the wall and my body, resting on the handle of the blade waiting to be unsheathed and thrown at the wolf. The only kitty I can smell is that pussy standing before me, dripping wet with need. He licks his teeth stepping forward from the shadows but not too close for me to be able to touch. You need bathing kitty, you need petting and some tenderness, isn't that right kitty? His grin is meant to be seductive but all I can see is a Catholic priest trying to seduce his altar boy after church on a Sunday morning, not pleasant. How about I eat you instead big boy, I want to see if you're as good as you think you are, all the while my hand is wrapped tightly around the handle of my blade. Taking a step towards him, he laughs appearing behind me with his wrist wrapped around my neck. Pulling me into his body trapping my hand and blade against his lower body his head rests on top of mine, the palm of his hand cupping my cheek. He has me trapped but held tight to his body like a lover he refuses to release. Shame we can't dance baby girl, because I would love to taste you, our day will come and when it does you will heal at my feet. Just about to break from his hold when I am shoved forward and he vanishes. This is the third time he has done this to me, the third time I could have killed him, and yet I didn't. Why the fuck do I fall into his trap? You arrogant piece of shit Rosie, banging my head against the building to calm myself down I know what I have to do, Jackson is not only going to rip into me, he will send me for therapy and that is not happening again. Do not say a bloody word, pushing past my brother I head into the changing room to hide away in the shower. My reputation didn't take long to build in this world in which we were forced to live, Yet no matter how many times I try to kill this bastard he always uses the same trick to prevent that kill. Stripping my clothes from my body, dumping them on the cold, tiled floor. I walk into the shower not caring the water spray is cold. Resting the palms of my hands on the shower wall and lowering my head. I do all I can to take deep breaths and mentally run through this evening's hunt if you can call it a hunt. The smells, the thickness of the air, The sounds of the babies crying in the apartments above me, the music playing in the bars, and the laughter of the patrons enjoying their evening. Yet it is that isolated stare, grin, and movement of the body that always draws me into a focus that can only be described as tunnel vision. Thinking back to how he walked out of the bar with the women forces me to focus on each detail. Was she a teenager or was she younger? Hell, was she an older woman dressed to look that young, and maybe she was a decoy. I didn't stop to look at the woman, instead, I just ran past her too focused on the objective. That is where I went wrong, I have never left a victim to the public or the elements, I have always taken care of them first, knowing that the bastard will cross my path again. So, why did I? Banging my head against the wall of the shower, I know the reason why I left her there, this was the first time I had gotten this close this quick in the chase. Sure, he always ends the chases like this, but never this quick. So is it the same wolf, or do we have more than one wolf out there killing? If that is the correct question to be asking, then is this the same wolf or wolves that killed our parents? Rosie, stop banging your head and talk to me. Jackie knows I am hard on myself after a hunt, so he always checks up on me when I am in the shower. This is because he knows it is one of two places on earth I am usually calm and sane, the other is with the huskies living with our grandmother. Hearing him shift on his feet, and a slight thud, I know he is now leaning against the wall just outside the shower-stool. He will be resting his right foot on the wall and his arms folded over his body, while he looks up to the ceiling trying to work out which temperament I will reply with. Hello big brother, how kind of you to hang out with me. Now, would you be wanting to scrub my back, or tickle me first before we get into the heavy stuff?" or better yet call Matthew so you can both pin me down and tickle me before pulling my hair, the grin is plastered across my face while my shoulders silently move up and down. He doesn't even reply, instead I can hear the buttons on a cell phone being pressed. She said you're welcome to join her in the shower, you just have to pin her down and braid her hair before we torture her, oh and remember the ice cream too. The sound of his phone shutting off, forces me to push away from the spray of the water and wrap a towel around me. Pushing past him I head towards the locker and mumble to myself, you forgot the sprinkles dickhead. Drying myself off I can hear him laughing but remaining in his position. So what happened out there? The usual, or so I thought. Did you send someone to check on the victim? Pulling the clean clothes over my body, brushing my wet hair into a high ponytail he tells me what they found. She wasn't even a teenager Rosie, hell she wasn't even a she, he huffs and comes to sit on the bench behind me watching me as I tie my boot laces, the victim was a ladyboy from Asia, dressed and made up to look like a creole teenage girl. By the time we got there the victim's throat had been sliced, fingerprints taken. What the hell has come to our town, I don't think this is the same killer we have been hunting. Stopping I look over to him and study his face, I thought the same thing just now, I think we have two killers either working together or this is a coincidence. I chased down a wolf, I know it was the same one from the other kills but he drew me in quicker than usual and vanished quicker, it was like he had some place to be. Slapping me on the back before pulling my hair he kisses me on the top of the head, go home, get some rest and we will discuss this tomorrow. Matthew will be here to help figure this out, okay. With that he leaves me be knowing I won't rest this has been dragging on too long now. Chapter 2 Scene 1. Yet again another restless sleep is contributing to another cranky morning, I swear, I am not a bitch unless there is a reason. I can enjoy the day with rose-tinted glasses, a smile on my face and a skip in my step, as my grandmother would say. However, if it isn't the daily reports, our secret community of hunters, or our prey— it is my two brothers who have decided to fuck with my happiness. Matthew just loves to shit the breeze by continuing our childhood banters and jokes, honestly I miss him being around all the time, so any kind of practical joke is better than nothing and I smile, just internally. Jackson has become worse than our father, he is either sleeping in the office here in HQ or sleeping in his home office, either way, I think he has forgotten how to relax, coming from me that is saying something. Since Jackson and I have taken over the Paranormal Hunters HQ we have created a tight ship, which means we do not head into battle without recon. Information is key for battle, Jackson was obsessed with World War II during his late teens and early twenties, he became that good at planning assaults he would pick previous wars to shreds, informing me and anyone who would listen where the battle plan had gone wrong. Reminding him of the times these wars were in, the lack of technology etc., made him curl his hands into fists as he was fighting back a reply that would cause a war within our own family. I shouldn't talk, since my obsession, the wolf that killed my parents, I have been working night and day not only researching my parents' life, death, friends, associates, and cases, I have been working hard on the cases sitting on my table. A few of these cases will lead me to the rescue shelter on the other side of the city once I am finished at the gym. The only reason Antonia would reach out to me is if a lady we rescued has a problem or a new client is needing our help. Standing at the entrance of the boxing gym, I watch Matthew with his workout, punching the bag with circular motions, fist over fist in a thumping rhythm that finds my heart matching the beat. He is breathing evenly, keeping his eyes on the motions of his hands while his back is straight and legs apart so they are matching the width of his shoulders. He stands just over six feet tall, like most men in my life, with long black hair pulled back into a man bun, the sweat dripping from his body and shine on his skin warns me he has been here for a while. The tightness in his jaw is another indicator something is on his mind. A few years after his wife died, he moved to New Orleans to be close to Jackie and me because we are the only family he has left, not forgetting our grandmother of course but she is still in London, maybe Romania who knows these days. He moved closer to us so his twins would have family close by, so imagine my shock not only that he is now a single father, but that he asked me to be his daughter Lauren's godmother. You should know I am not the maternal kind of woman, let alone a girly girl so I have no idea why on earth he would choose me to be his daughter's godmother. When I asked he just smiled at me with a look warning me he has a secret. Knowing he is close to snapping I move quietly to stand behind him, roll up the towel in my hand and snap it against his rock-hard ass, Bitch, you're grinding your teeth again, he stops throwing the punches and lowers his head. Leave it brat, not in the mood, the growl in his voice would have been a warning to me, but that was when I was sixteen and thought he was the love of my life, trying to get that male to kiss me was like trying to get a stone to bleed. Sorry black beauty, not gonna happen. Why you so tense babe? Oh shit! he has turned and thrown me a feral look which is an indicator we are about to get into a battle of wits, not only fists and feet. Lauren, he growls. Lauren, his five-year-old daughter is a handful, to say the least, not only has she already worked out how to wrap him around her fingers, but she has already managed to work out the internet, how to write, and get her brother into trouble. Last month. She called the office saying someone had kidnapped her brother leaving a warning that her mother's death was just the start of the killing. How in the hell she managed to convince a group of ruthless hunters to take her seriously is unfathomable but she did. It was only last week we discovered she had her brother hidden in her treehouse, blindfolded and held to ransom, so no one could find him, at least she fed and watered him. Again I would like to remind you she is only five years old, so I feel sorry for Matthew when she hits the teenage years. Stepping back I sit my ass down on the weights bench and cross my legs. I have a feeling this is going to be a motherly and fatherly conversation more than a workout, which is fine by me. What did the munchkin do this week? You couldn't miss the sigh in my voice, but by this posture, it is obvious he is at the end of his rope with my little protégé. I say protégé because I have a feeling this is why he wanted me to be godmother, not just her aunt. If anyone should be able to talk to a brat is the biggest brat my brother knows, or you would think. Sitting there with my eyebrow raised I wait for him to settle down on the floor of the gym, he takes a long pull of cold water, screws the lid back onto the bottle then looks over towards me. He must sit there for a good five minutes before he begins to speak to me. Do you remember when we were kids?" you would pull stunts just to gain attention from your parents when they were home? Looking at him as if he is off his rocker, my eyes water while I slowly nod my head in acknowledgement. Did Lauren call the fire brigade? A memory of doing that to get them to hose my dad down after he was kissing mummy for a long time, comes to mind. No, he exhales with annoyance, try again brat. She called the cops, accusing you hitting her too hard for no reason? He chuckles at that, sure child abuse is not funny, but when the police back in London realized I blamed Nanyuk for hitting me, claiming he was my daddy, the police fined my grandmother for allowing me to use the telephone irresponsibly, but you saw their shoulders rising and falling when they left. Later in life I understood the shoulder action meant they were laughing. No brat, what else did you do as a kid? My eyebrows raised to the top of my brow. Are you kidding me? Matty, I was a bloody angel, thank you very much. If it wasn't for you and Jackie I would have my angel wings by now. Oh yes, now we are both rolling on the floor laughing, I fell off the bench hitting my ass on the wooden floor but I don't care, just hearing him laugh is a treat in itself, he hardly chuckles these days let alone laugh. Come on brother, what did she do that is so terrible you look as if you are about to have open heart surgery. She came home from preschool yesterday informing me she is moving out, she packed her back, had her lunchbox packed for the journey to her new home. He lays back on the floor covering his face with his arms. Okay, how many times did I do that? I know you taught her, as our grandmother did, that she is not allowed to cross the road without an adult holding her hand. Before I can complete that sentence he growled at me. Remember the last time she obeyed the rules brat? she had the neighbour take her hand and help her cross the road. Oh shit I forgot about that, while I wanted to praise her for obeying the rules, she was running away from home because Matthew told her to stop being silly and to get into bed. Fine, you spoke to all the neighbours, so no one will help her cross the road, she's stuck. She will walk up and down the pavement for a few hours, sit to eat her lunch then keep going until she realises she is hungry and has no dinner. Matthew She will come home, she is probably wanting your attention because someone at school has. No Rosie, he leans up against his forearms, then growls his disdain with the following words. She is moving in with you, because she is going to marry Draken. She knows he will be living with you, so she decided to live with you and Draken until she is married to him. It couldn't be helped, I promise I did try not to laugh but it was too hard to stop. Once my laughing subsided enough to speak, I see the hurt on his face which instantly calms me. I don't see the problem, not enough for you to punch the bag like that, or even wind yourself up like this. Dude, she is a baby and Draken is a husky. Still to this day I refuse to believe the huskies are wolves under a spell from my grandmother giving the world the illusion they are huskies. How long did you live in the treehouse with me before your parents had adopted me? What did you say to them before they finally accepted me into your home? His eyes lock with mine and I can feel my cheeks blushing as the memory floods back to me. No no no, I am not leaving Mattie alone, I love him daddy. Mummy and daddy stand at the bottom of the tree looking up at me with stern look on their faces, I have been living in this treehouse with Mattie for nearly two weeks, only coming down to go to school, even then I ditched because Mattie would be alone. Rosie, Baby girl, come on down and we can talk about it over dinner. Matthew will be welcome to eat with us too, we are not going to kick him out, baby. Only if Matty can sleep in my room with me, we are married now and I love him, his mummy and daddy are not here so he needs me to look after him. That was the beginning of Matthew joining our family officially. When his parents were killed, he couldn't or didn't want to stay in his house with his aunt and uncle, so he would stay in the treehouse. I found him crying one night and stayed with him until we were found. Okay fine but you are not dead, she knows Draken is a husky, besides, I could look after her for a week, trust me she would come back to you within a day. Us girls are not easy, maybe I could take her to the shelter where she will meet other girls and women who have been suffering, this way she will see how much she is loved. Sadly I can't help with the Draken issue though, that is something you will have to discuss with her we did train for a few hours, our talk seemed to help Matthew. I know he is going to need all the help he can get with the twins. My grandmother explained it wasn't easy for her to raise my mother alone, and then raising Jackson and me alone so, I can only imagine how hard it is for a single dad with twins. After my shower and I said goodbye to Matthew, he said he would call me with details on Lauren after he talked with her, I headed to the shelter. So here I am standing across from the shelter taking a little breather before I meet with Antonia. Antonia is a true French Quarter Witch. Along with two other witches, she set up a shelter for people who have survived traumatic events in their life. Originally the shelter was supposed to help the supernatural victims, such as children who have been abducted or abused, then help their families deal with the trauma. However it was discovered during a few of our hunts that humans needed the help too. The witches formed a board consisting of humans who knew about our world and raised money from local businesses to help with the finances, now this shelter is for all kinds of species with a secret section just for the supernatural. They do amazing work, and I am happy to be able to be a small part of what they do for the community. They are our unsung heroes in my opinion. Having sat outside the shelter for an hour, I put my best foot forward and crossed the street, Knock on the door, then look up into the security camera so they can see who is knocking on their door. Once I have been granted access, I stand in the understated foyer waiting for Antonia to collect me. The temperature in the foyer is cool, thanks to the rustic brick walls, cream curtains that are closed to prevent the heat from outside entering into the room. The pictures they have hung in this room are eye catching and take your breath away when you realize it is the clients who use this facility that has created them. There are a few standard water paintings of scenery, but most of the pictures are fantasy pictures with wolves and other animals. But the main focus of the images are in 3D. The eyes of the wolves do look as if they are not only following you, but have popped out of the frame. While I am taking an in depth look around the reception area, my ears catch the tail end of a conversation. If you find you can't be in the same room as them, politely stand and excuse yourself. You will find the sessions helpful. But you need to feel safe and respected before you can talk, okay? The second voice is not spoken, but the hairs on my back are an indicator that the other person taking part in this conversation is anxious, so using nonverbal communication. Hearing the handle to a door being pushed down on my body turns, placing my hands inside my front pockets and my eyes on the piece of art before me, I allow the people coming into the reception room to see me lost in thought while I look over the artwork. R. Rosie, Thank you for coming, the sweet yet sarcastic voice of Antonia does hurt my ears, but I have to grin and bear it because I am only here on request when it is urgent. Standing next to her is a seven-year-old boy I recognize from a rescue attempt. Smiling at Antonia my hand is extended to James. Hey buddy how you doing? He looks at my hand, then up to my face before walking away and slapping me on the ass, hey you may see your dad doing that to women." but you touch my ass again and I will send you to the pits of hell for a decade young man. Standing there with a scowl on my face, my eyes lock with his inner war of wills. The gasping of Antonia's disapproval doesn't do much for me but watching the look on James's face change from trying to fit into laughing hard was worth it. James and I have a strange relationship since he was rescued from an abusive warlock of a father and demonic mother, and I do mean she is a demon, not just a bad mother. James looks like a seven-year-old boy, when in fact he is closer to a seventy-year-old human male, so trying to flirt with a young filly such as myself just seems wrong. Once James left the reception area, Antonia and I enter her office for a coffee and chat. Thanks again for coming, I know you're busy, I need some help with the last group of women you dropped off. Not a problem, I was wanting to check in on James anyway. Sitting back in the chair, arms resting on the armrest, I look into the deep blue, eyes of Antonia and ask how James is settling in. It can't be easy for an elderly man who looks like a child to be mixing with adults and kids. The laughter from Antonia relaxes me a little, but still until I hear the words from her I can't relax, especially after the tail-end of the conversation I overheard between them. Apart from trying to convince me he is being bullied by the fairer sex he is adjusting fine— She used her fingers to indicate she was quoting James, was using the words, fairer sex, to mean he was being sarcastic. Nodding my head, I leave that conversation satisfied he isn't being too much trouble. So, why did you need to see me? A group of ladies you dropped off with us last month, they have asked me to pass on some information you may find useful, or at least your organization will feel useful. She flips through some paperwork, then hands a few sheets of paper towards me taking them from her I begin to read them over when she stops me from reading. Those are transcripts from the conversation, you may want to hear it for yourself. We both know first-hand recounts are easier to listen to, she isn't wrong, hearing the tone in their voices, reading their body actions and the emotions on their faces as well as in their eyes, is a good way to tell if what they have to tell us is the the truth or a lie. A thumb drive is handed over with the words, Paranormal Hunters HQ attached. Watch this for yourself, the ladies are willing to talk to you individually if you wish to talk to them yourselves, she inhales deeply, with a worried look on her face he continues, you should know they are still suffering and won't mix with anyone other than a few of us witches. They remain in their room, but mention they are willing to talk to you individually because you would understand. Concern and fear bath me while I leave the shelter, the ladies my team rescued had been through enough for me to understand the trust they are placing in me. Knowing their full story was not something we concerned ourselves with, as long as we could find our charges with help, we dropped them off then left them alone. We would check in periodically and didn't forget about them, but in order for us to complete our work, we had to keep our charges in the back of our minds to help others as well as uphold the laws in the paranormal world." However never has a charge offered with further information once we dropped them off. Chapter 3 Scene 1 Laying on the lush green grass of the field, my senses are brought to life with a sense of fresh flowers as they laugh from the tickling heat of the sun. The water singing the praises of the fish dancing between the ripples from the waterfall. The gentle hum of the leaves kissing each other from the breeze pushing the branches together, ensuring the leaves make love to each other the grass beneath my body seducing the skin with its delicate touch. Nothing feels better to me than a lazy day in the forest. The sound of my laughing as I roll around in the grass brings such happiness to her. She sits there on the boulder watching me laugh and enjoy myself. The white wolf resting at her feet, keeps his eyes on me yet you can tell by the way his eyes are dancing around, the slight lift in the skin around his snout, he is smiling at my childish antics too. Are you happy here, child? So happy, you have no idea. Why not stay here with us? You will never feel pain, anger, or hatred. You will only feel happiness and love. Rolling onto my stomach, resting my head on the palms of my hands as my elbows are buried into the lush grass, I look up into the faceless woman sitting on the boulder. If I stayed here in paradise, what would I do with myself? You would do as you wish run with the wolves, eat and play to your heart's content. I am sure Melaki here would love to have someone to play with. Her hand buries into the fur of the wolf sat at her feet, looking to him our eyes lock onto each other, a sense of belonging and desire pass between us. The warmth I am feeling not only scares me but also warms me, such warmth I have not felt since my father wrapped his arms around me in a loving hug. I would love to stay but Jackson and Matthew need me, and I need them, you can hear the sadness in my voice, the same sadness that matches the energy coming from the lady and the wolf known as Meliki. We understand Rosie. One day you will come home and when you do, all will be clear. Just understand you are always welcome to drop in and see us. Now, go home child, we will watch over you and protect you from the black wolf who seeks you for his own. Jackson, would you come into my office please?" Placing my phone back on the desk, I press the spacebar on the keyboard and glare at the computer monitor. The face I am looking at is one of the ladies from the shelter. This poor lady is not only scared to death but was ready to shift into a panther and give birth. The video is on a loop in my head, sleep eluded me after I left the shelter. The need to watch the video interviews last night was too strong, however, I couldn't sleep, so I watched them repeatedly, making sure each story was lodged into my memory, along with details of their facial expressions and actions. It was a shame I couldn't smell their reactions, too, but that is something I can rectify either today or tomorrow. I should meet with them as soon as possible, this way they will not be too closed off to their initial emotions. Reporting for duty mistress, he enters my office then salutes me as if he was on parade. Standing there before me, waiting for me to give the stand-down order. Yet I ignore him and allow him to act the joker until he tires and seats himself. Once he finally sits down he waits for me to begin the conversation, honestly, I don't even know where to begin. My fingernails are tapping on the desktop, my right leg is shaking up and down, while my eyes are fixated on the computer monitor. Sis, Sis, Sis Jackson sighs when he doesn't get an answer from me. I can hear him, but my eyes just will not leave the image on the monitor, their words are screaming in my head on a loop. Rosie, a loud slap of his hand against the table when he says my name snaps me out of my mental loop. Sorry. What's going on? You look as if you have seen a ghost. Your body hasn't been this jittery since that week you tried to lay off the coffee. If I didn't know my brother, I would say the stoic look on his face, the drone of his tone would mean he was being serious but I do know my brother, he is trying to crack a joke with a stiff upper lip, just like an upper-class English man. Did Antonia tell you exactly why she requested my visit? No, she just said she needed to discuss the ladies you dropped off the other week, his eyes narrow at my computer monitor, then back to me what did she say to you? His eyes wander over my body, reading its language. Turning the monitor around to face him, pressing the space bar, My eyes observe Jackson while he listens and watches the interview. Iona, have you ever had your powers stripped from your soul, hung in the air just out of reach? Then dangling there before you while you hear your sisters being stripped of their powers and memories? No I have not, I can't imagine how that feels. There are no words to tell you how it feels. If you know someone brave enough, you are very welcome to have an empath come and sit with me, Maybe this empath will be able to tell you. Are you sure you wish to continue? We can wait until you are stronger. Thank you for your kind words Iona, but if I do not tell you then the hunters will not be able to help us. Take your time. Observing Jackson watching the video, it is clear to me he is struggling with the information and reactions of this lady. Sadly he hasn't heard the worst of it yet. Even though I should sit here and listen to the testimony of the victims again, but with my brother close by, I excuse myself. No matter how many years you hunt the hearts beating in the paranormal realm, it is still hard to watch and digest the devastation the assholes can leave behind. Especially when they have been playing with the humans simply for the fun of it, knowing us hunters will be forced to play their games. The smell of anger with a hint of mint tickles my nose while I am sat in the lounge. Lifting my head, my eyes observe the slow and calculating movements of Jackson. He sits on the edge of the couch while rubbing the back of his neck, knowing he is processing the statements from the women while forming a plan of attack. My heart beats in a steady rhythm while my eyes watch the process before me. We need to move the ladies again, place magical security inside and out of the center, lifting his eyes to me. Our eyes lock, and I know what is coming next. Shaking my head, ensuring our eyes are locked, she isn't going to go for it, let alone like it. That is our sanctuary. Chewing on his lower lip he glares at me, I can hear the conversation running around in his head she wouldn't allow any human to be attacked, if not our compound then where? Tell me where will she allow them to be fully protected and safe while we continue this? You are going to have me call her because we both know you will come running to me with your tail between your legs asking for me to convince her this is the best plan it was a statement, not a question, which he knows I know where his head and heart is at. Not waiting for a reply I walk out of the lounge leaving him with one statement, fuck calling her, I am on the next plane to England. Walking out of the office building a few hours later, my brother is standing beside my SUV with a grin on his face, commercial? Seriously sis, when did you become a prissy English snob? Shaking his head at me, he opens the driver's side door and enters into my vehicle. Looks like you changed your name to James, I mumble back while I decided to play the role of Miss Daisy. Sitting in the back seat I look into the mirror and raise my eyebrow, chuckling to himself he pulls out of the underground garage and drives me to the airport in silence. Instead of dropping off outside departures, Jackson drives us around to the back of the airport then parks the car to the right-hand side of large garage doors. Placing his sunglasses onto his face he slips out of the car and around to my door, where he opens the door, reaches inside the vehicle offering me his hand. Miss, would you take my hand, my boss would be very annoyed with me if I allowed the precious cargo to be damaged oh the little. Placing my palm delicately on top of his, my legs swing around so that my feet are placed on the tarmac. Allowing him to pull me from the car I smile a polite thanks then follow him to the double garage doors. Come to think of it this isn't a garage it's a bloody aircraft hangar. James, darling. He wanted an English prissy snob. I will give him her. Care to explain why you are taking me to the dungeons of hell? I thought you were the kill the client in the bayou kind of person. He doubles over with laughter, choking a few times while he tries to maintain a sense of dignity, that was a good one, Rosie. I wanted you to get home as quickly as possible and without as much hassle that you would find with the commercial flights. The sadness on his face tells me the real story our parents' death nodding my head in understanding I drop the act and follow my big brother. Matthew was concerned too, he has allowed us to use his airplane. Us? You didn't think I would allow you to go home alone did you? Well. Yay, I did actually confusion not too far. While our bags are placed inside the plane he pulls me into a hug, kisses the top of my head then tells me his thinking. I knew it was going to be hard on you emotionally you can at least speak to her on the telephone or over Zoom without showing emotion. However seeing her in person, add to the difficult question you will be handling I knew this is the one time my little Rosebud is going to need her Jackie to support her and just like that I am emotionally sent back to my thirteenth birthday. Without any other words exchanged between us, we climb the steps to the airplane and settle in for the flight to London Heathrow. Chapter 4 Scene 1 Opening the door to our childhood home not only fills me with dread but happiness too. Standing in the entrance to the home my eyes close, my left hand curled into a tight ball while my right hand is held between the protective heat of Jackson's. Like me, he has his eyes closed while we take long deep breaths, hold them to the count of ten, then slowly release. As we have gotten older and returned home less frequently than required of us, we have always remained still in this space, the space that changed our lives forever on my thirteenth birthday. We can still hear the echoes of the conversations, the laughter, the smells, and then the heat of death and dread wash over us. So to do our best to focus on happiness, we entertain our grandmother's warnings and meditate together as soon as we step over the threshold. We are to ask our guardian angels to protect and guide us while we are residing in this special place of love and light. The longer we are away the harder and longer this meditation becomes. Unable to tell you how long we stay like this, but we do until my left hand has uncurled and covered in dripping saliva. This can only mean Nanuke is standing beside me, pressing his head into my thigh and licking my hand, letting me know he is with me and I am safe. Opening my eyes I look over to Jackie to see he too has a friend standing beside him licking his hand. Noyeli, A beautiful white ball of fur with the most stunning crystal blue eyes, stands beside Jackson offering her love, support, and protection. Knowing Jackson will feel special and safe, my hand releases from his so that I may turn around and lower myself to my knees and hug Nanuke. Kissing his snout then resting my forehead against his snout, my hands run along his back and sides petting him but also drawing his strength, which I need more than I ever thought I would need. Take from me, my beautiful girl. I am yours to draw strength, love, and light from. Drawing in a deep and soothing breath my frown turns upside down, and laughter falls from my lips as Nanyuk uses his front paws to push me over and stand above me, licking my face with kisses and nuzzling his snout into my neck. When we play like this, I always feel that he is kissing and hugging me. Why, do, you, kill, me, with, love? I ask him between laughter. With a cup of mixed herbal tea, scones, and homemade biscuits sitting on the coffee table, Jackson continues a polite conversation with the lady we have come to talk to. Lost in thought about the last time I was sat on this sofa come flooding back. If you leave through that front door and begin your journey to America, do not expect any visits from me. You will never step foot in this door, or our home in the mountains again, the anger and hurt radiate off her in bucket loads. It is not hard to understand she would never mean what she is saying, yet it still hurts to hear her say I will never be welcome in either home again if I pursue this line of my journey. Standing before her with tears falling from my eyes, Nanyuk and Angini standing on either side of her, I look into their eyes and see nothing but the heartache that I would leave them and never see them again. Rosie, this journey you are insisting on taking, leads to heartache and death, she draws in and releases a long and shaky breath. You are always welcome in your homes my child, you just have to promise me you will never come here direct from New Orleans, you wash that cesspool off your body and clothing before you set foot in my home. Kissing her cheeks, petting Angie and Nanuke, I stand from the sofa and walk to the entranceway where I pick up my suitcases and leave the house. Rosie, stop with the dramatics and speak up. The annoyance of my nanny snaps me out of my daydreaming, or was it because Nanyuk jumped up onto my lap to sit with me as if he was a kitten? Get off, Nanyuk, you're too big. Looking at the human faces glaring at me, it is obvious I had entered into my head for longer than I was expecting. Shaking my head while I work on holding back the tears, I look up and smile at Nanny. I apologize for being rude, grandmother, I was reliving the last time I sat upon the cushions of this sofa. Sure I was rude to my grandmother's face, but I couldn't help it. The hurt is still lingering in my soul and my pride is bruised because we had to stop off in Paris to wash off the American filth, or should I say the New Orleans stench? The look of hurt washing my grandmother's face is not missed on Jackson or I, but she will hold her ground for reasons we do not know. Thank you for indulging an old lady, now, I knew you were coming of course." but it is not clear to me for the reason you are here or for the length of time you are. Your powers are failing you? I look towards Jackie trying to hide the smile on my lips. Or have the great Celtic and Romanian gods decided you are no longer worthy of their favour dear Granny? Oh shit, Jackson has just signed his death warrant. This is where I bow out of the bantering and leave him to suffer the consequences of his misplaced banter. Jackson Fenn Chelsea Black, the threat was not in the name she used, but in the harsh tone, twinkle, or lack of twinkle, in her eye, and the lack of movement in her lips when she spoke my brother's full name. The chill running down my spine is a feeling I have not felt since I was in my mid teens and she caught me sneaking back into the house. Follow Angini into the kitchen, open the cupboard doors closest to the glass patio doors. Reach your dainty hand into the cupboard, take out the green jar. Once you have taken the jar from its resting place, you will then open the jar, reach inside with the tips of your fingers. Spread the contents on your tongue, with an open mouth you will place the jar back into the exact spot from where you removed it and then close the doors. Once you have done this you will have the desire to swallow, do not. You will return to the sofa and sit quietly until I give you permission to swallow and speak. Jackson realizes how far over the line he has crossed, this remedy he is about to battle is a secret Nanny had concocted when we were young, it certainly kicks a punch leaving a reminder behind, don't do that again. We are here to discuss a problem we have come across Nanny, we will be here for as short a visit or as long a visit as it takes. It all depends on you Nanny. No, she says with a strong Romanian accent, indicating this conversation is over. Just as I am about to reply to her, Jackson enters the room and sits next to me on the sofa. Shaking my head, he knew this was going to be a battle we need to win, not hope to win. Nanny was never this heartless before we moved to New Orleans, she felt our move was a betrayal. Even though she was, or is, proud of us for continuing our parents' legacy, she still has issues we do not know about. On a rare day off I searched through the archives in the hopes I would discover the reason my nanny and the French Quarter witches have a hatred between them that is thicker than the River Thames, and just as dirty. Sadly there was nothing in the archives, that is not to say there is no written document, I just haven't found it yet. I can see we are about to have a thrilling visit with you grandmother. Standing I let loose a disappointed sigh and shake of my head, move around the sofa and into the entrance hall. Placing my hand on the door handle, I look over to my brother and nanny, seeing the only family I have left. If you were not such a stubborn witch with a carrot shoved so far up her ass that she can't smell anything other than carrot cake, you would notice your only grandchildren have returned home with their tails between their legs, seeking help from the only human they both trust. But you have become nothing but a sad and selfish human being. Picking up my suitcase, I open the door and look to my brother, when you have been released, you know where to find me. My eyes rest upon the frail old lady I once admired, staying under your roof is not something I will do, but you can't get rid of me that easily old witch, you will hear us out, and you will help. With that, I leave the once loving home in my dust as I walk through the streets of Chelsea to our second London home, Matthew's family home, the one he has not set foot in since his parents died but cannot find it within himself to sell. The house I once ran to for sanctuary is nothing but bricks and mortar, it is not surprising really, this house has been empty for such a long time, I am surprised ghosts have not moved in yet. Looking around wondering if there are in fact ghosts living here, I wish we had brought a witch with us to find out. Working for the paranormal hunters not only opened my eyes to the secret world our parents worked in, but placed more questions in my soul than I had when I first moved to New Orleans with Jackson. Discovering Matthew was not a human but a panther shifter should have been a shock to us, however, when he finally admitted the truth to us, I couldn't help but fall over laughing. It made sense considering how stealthy he was as a kid, how his hair was as black as night but shone like the moon, showing us the way through the woods in the late night sky. He was always protective of Jackson and I, he explained it was a pack thing, he has always seen us as family, so accepted us as part of his pack. Once I asked him why I always wanted to stroke him, he laughed and said it was his animal magnetism calling to the sexual predator within me to mate with him. Once he said that, I ran away like a kid seeing mum and dad kissing in the kitchen, gagging and wanting to wash my brain out with soap and water. Smiling to myself as I walk around the bare rooms of the house, my feet take me to Matthew's old bedroom where I stand and look into the gardens where we ran and laughed, enjoying the freedom a simple childhood held. As I stand gazing into the gardens I spot Draken and Nuka in the garden walking around the boundary, they must sense me because they look up into the window, locking eyes with me and holding the look while they stand there. I feel a tug as if they are trying to talk to me but that is just silly, huskies, no sorry wolves, cannot talk to humans. Admittedly I have an addiction to the supernatural books where wolves mate with humans, bears and wolves are able to shift into humans, if it was not for the job I have. I would say it is unbelievable. Sure, I do know some animal shifters, but talking to humans mentally is just not possible. Knowing I have been away too long, my head nods to the wolves, turning I take a few steps out of Matthew's room when I hear my name whispered. Turning my head, I look around to see if anyone is in the house, listening with my sonic hearing for any movement. Shaking my head, knowing I am alone, my feet continue through the house until I reach the front door, tell my boy we miss and love him he must sell the house, okay now that was freaky. Laughing to myself, that was freaking after everything I have seen and who I am hunting. Oh Rosie you fool you really are beginning to lose the plot. Chapter 5 Scene 1 End Story